Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep Season 4, the so-called salad days of the podcast. We're just four babies in one crib with perfect opinions about movies, TV, and pop culture. I'm your host, Alex Falcone Jr., recording today from North Koreatown, Los Angeles. And I have an excellent group of friends here with me to talk about this movie. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter. He's in Southeast Portland. His insides are a rocky place where my seed can find no purchase. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. You ate sand? <laughs> Maybe this movie has two, I think, two of the funniest line readings of all time. One uh-huh. is you ate sand, and uh-huh. the second is I love this baby. <laughs> uh, uh, those two line readings and John Goodman's nonstop screaming are three <laughs> the of the greatest. Are great. There's some really excellent lines. There's so many good lines. There, yeah. The, the Coens sure but, know how to tell a person to say a thing. You or hire a person who can say so anything. Funny. Um, also joining us today, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd from the woods of Portland. He drives by convenience stores that aren't even on the way home. It's Mr. Hunter Donaldson. I'm the guy. The Chainsaw Master here again. Oh, okay. Your motorcycle impression sounds a lot like your chainsaw impression. Yeah, they're they're markedly similar. I yeah. Yeah. I planned this yeah. back when I is, when I did that. This is why Hunter didn't have a long career as a foley artist. He just did one <laughs> second for everything. All right, this baby crying. <laughs> no, okay. I need you just to put some foley of them eating cereal in the background. <laughs> All right, so, so it's a, a man it's approached a door. one. It's a door swinging open. <laughs> And rounding out our panel today, he's in Northern California, back in his house. He's a lone biker of the apocalypse, a man with all the powers of hell at his command. He can turn the day into night and lay waste to everything in his path. He is especially hard on the little things, the helpless and the gentle creatures. He leaves a scorched earth in his wake, befouling even the cool desert breeze that sweeps across his bow. I don't know where he came from or why. I don't know if he's a vision or dream, but I fear that I myself has unleashed him. It is Mr. Ezra Fox. Canonically, this is the first Ghost Rider movie also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did give this me is... strong Ghost Rider vibes. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like this, this is the absolutely like Nick Cage is in this. This is how Ghost Rider happens. So, I, yeah, somebody was like, "Man, I liked Nick Cage and I liked that motorcycle." Two great tastes that taste great together. Yep, smashing them together. You, you got my Nick Cage and your Ghost Rider. You got your Ghost Rider and my Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea <laughs> that maybe Nick Cage on this movie was like, "I want to be the mean motorcycle man," <laughs> and the Coen right. brothers were like, "No, no, no, no. You're like a sweet." Like whatever you know, you're this guy. Yeah, you're a little bit criminal, but he's like, no, I can. Uh, someday I will earn this role, and he was right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He, he put his quarter on the motorcycle. He's like, I got it next game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you joke, but you can tell from Nick Cage's performance in this movie that he clearly came in with a lot of ideas, uh, <laughs> that, and like this movie was probably a massive compromise. And like, all right, Nick, uh, you can dry heave when you're about to be in a fight you can do that but you can't be the motorcycle man is that a fair right. deal yeah. right speaking of putting the quarter on for next um before we start i want to thank all of the dumb dumbs who give us their dumb money to support our piece of crap show if you are also dumb and you want the show to keep trick- tripping over itself along the tracks go to metreon.com and we really appreciate all of you dummies all right um first up this week though before we start talking about the movie 
It is time for segment one, the news. I was a little underwhelmed by the news this week. I was so excited last week to talk about uh, Sheely Gate, but now I've just got two stupid things that I want to talk to you guys about. First, I want to hear Anthony and Hunter's take on this. Ubisoft, Ubisoft what? is adding <laughs> NFTs to Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Guys, are you excited to fi- finally get the world of crypto scams in your video games? Alex, I want you to tell me three things about Ghost Recon Breaking Point. If you can. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah. I, I, wait, if okay, coming in for one. A break point. It's, it, it's still in beta. <laughs> that was uh-huh. in the headline. Uh-huh. And? And? Um, there are weapons in it. Wait, is it? Wait, sorry. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Colon Breakpoint, I think. Okay, so you're a ghost. You have to find where the breakpoint is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's so, oh, you know, oh, it's a, oh, it's, sorry. It's a reboot of Point Break with ghosts. Yes, with ghosts. Exactly. Oh. So it's a it's a it's Patrick Swayze is From dead ghost? in Point Break. Well, it's also okay. So it's Tom Clancy's. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so it's also so racist. To, uh, yeah, but I, uh, I, I don't really play a lot of Ubisoft games. There's been a lot of humbug. Uh, humbug maybe sounds like it's belittling it. There's been a lot of hubbub. controversy. Uh, hubbub. Uh, mm. Last few. Uh, hubbub years. and humbug are very different, but it's, I like that. Movies. Anthony, I think it's yeah. hubbub. hubbub. But like. <laughs> Uh, Ubisoft has a lot of really shitty uh, employee practices and has done a lot of really horrible things over the years. Uh, yeah. So I don't really give a shit what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I I guess I so I, what I think is interesting about the story is that like NFTs are a hilarious scam that our parents all ask us about over Christmas break and uh, to ask us to explain, which is very fun. And then the other thing is that in-game purchasing is like the scam and how all companies make money now and mm-hmm. so it's like i it is to me it's like a perfect like nf nfts and paying 20 dollars for an extra Fortnite dance they're like they're perfect they're mm. the same yeah, well, i yeah. think it's funny that like a video game company is like all right we're, we're doing really well at like destroying our employees wills but can we also apply that to destroying the planet by <laughs> creating harmful <laughs> wasteful yeah. nfts Right. Uh, <laughs> that's, I guess that's the one thing that's different with NFTs now. They took a thing that was already a scam, which is buying like in-game hats for real money, and they were like, "What if the way we calculated that was the least efficient computer in human history mm-hmm. and cost a fortune and used a ton of natural resources?" Yeah. All I want to know is, do I have to climb a tower to be able to see where all the NFTs are on my map? Am I right, Hunter? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, is he right? Yeah. I have no idea. Open- Catch me up. It's an Ubisoft open world design philosophy joke. Uh, they basically okay. Ubisoft, you know, makes um used to make a lot of really interesting, uh, very kind of cool sort of out there games. Uh, and now they basically make one game in different time periods and either with swords or with guns. Uh, but they, they basically <laughs> just make one game nowadays. Right. That's more They're efficient. Kind of, I like that. Yeah, it does I seem mean, like smart. I but does that mean that the rabbits, the raging rabbits, have guns? Uh, they do in some of their <laughs> games. Yeah, and then Mario okay. one, they have guns. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but does the Mario are... have a gun in that yeah. game? And they give they, <laughs> they blast through things. Yeah, they took my pre- my precious Mario and they gave him a gun. 
Wow. My boy. Miyamoto is rolling in his grave. <laughs> Even though he's still alive. Even though Miyamoto's he's still alive. Going he's going to his grave roll, early. Yeah, he likes to roll around there. I mean, if I you were alive and you were in a grave, you'd be rolling around a lot. You're like, get me out of this grave. I'm alive. <laughs> they used true. to make words. I'm just looking at like all their games. They used to make words in them. I, yeah. This is my thing. Like, this is your they, main takeaway about Ubisoft. Yeah, well, this, no, this is actually a great make... take. This is a great yeah. take. They have horrible <laughs> titles to every single. <laughs> I mean, what was the game that you just read the title of? Ghost Recon? What Breakpoint? Breakpoint. Tom yeah, Clancy's yeah. Ghost like, Recon. Tom <laughs> Cla- like, it, we're getting it, to a point now where somebody is going to play a Tom Clancy game, and they're going to be like, "Who the hell is this Tom Clancy guy?" Like, it's going to be like fifty <laughs> years out. They're playing mm. some, I don't know, Rainbow Six game. Yeah, and they're just like, like was Tom name... Clancy some game designer from the 80s or something? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> was he it, a... does, it does sound like a, a game that was named by, like, Intel people that were like, this is the version <laughs> 728B Hyperlake yeah, yeah. Sn- Snafu version. Yeah. It sounds um, like okay. a working title company only, you know. Thing. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. This, but not this. Don't worry. This is. We'll. We'll beat this later, guys. Don't. Don't. Don't sweat. <laughs> yeah. If I um, have to see the word revelations the as a subtitle for a game, I will cry NFTs. So. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I, well, if, what name? What subtitle? Revelations or revolutions or any any oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, words origins, like that. Yeah. Origins for sure. Titles. Um. Okay. Ooh, they should start matching quickly. Um, is um, Netflix announced they're making a movie based on the grandma who accidentally invited the wrong kid to Thanksgiving, and he kept going. Do you guys? Did you guys? You guys have seen this yeah. um, story it's every fun Thanksgiving story like, that goes. Yeah, around, yeah, so it's like it was just like it's just some some lady um, accidentally sent a Thanksgiving text to this this the wrong number, and the guy was like a teenager at the time, and he was like you're not my grandma, but can I still get a plate? And she said, of course you can. And they've been like having Thanksgiving together for like 10 years or whatever. Um, Anyway, Netflix announced this week that they're going to be making a film based on the true story of Jamal Hinton and Wanda Dench. Man, the Thanksgiving text. Do it. This is what I love to see. Netflix, do this. Stop trying to adapt Cowboy Bebop and Avatar and Sandman. (laughs) Things I actually care about. I would rather take a hundred cute saccharine stories than whatever the fuck their Sandman is going to be. Look, Cowboy Bebop <laughs> really bit, made me bitter and sad, yeah, and I like... really, really disliked what they did with that show. Uh, and the fact that they're doing Avatar and Sandman, uh, you know, the only two properties I gen- maybe like more than Cowboy Bebop. Uh, and they're, they're going to do them with the same gusto as they did Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's very upsetting. Uh, so yeah, you know what? Uh, Morpheus, the King of Dreams, probably not going to be in the story about Thanksgiving <laughs> or any of the Endless. So I'm happy with that. I'm cool. That sounds you great. Know, this is great. Now, I, I, well, so one, I think I now understand the best way to get a, a movie greenlit is to make sure that the IP is not anything that's remotely movie-based. Um, right. So this is a, just the accidental text is, is your, is your, uh, is your pilot. Uh, that's oh, totally good. Yeah, um, I mean, you, and, remember, well, you remember like a few years, like, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, if you want to get a movie, make, make a graphic novel first and wait for that to get adapted. Now get a Bible a tweet first. Yeah. Yes. And then wait for that yeah. to get adapted. No. Well, it I reminds me this... actually of a couple, was it last year where there was the, 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 um, 
the very brief day where Wall Street bets on Reddit like yep. made a stock go crazy, and the next day, like seven p- different production companies announced they were making movies based on yesterday. It's like that. It's like mm. just the, like the mm. the barrier to entry to announce you're making a movie. And I don't think any of those movies are going to come out. I, like I, I suspect this movie we'll, we'll never hear about again. But the barrier of entry to announce that you're making a movie seems so low yeah. right now. It's hilarious. Well, also, there's one uh, I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. But Zola, which came out this year. Um, yeah, that movie I owned. remember when that when that viral thread came out, like that was already such a cinematic story just in tweet forms and it's one of the best uh twitter threads i've ever seen uh but like that movie zola is the movie about the crazy stripper adventure those two strippers went on in florida oh yeah it's funny but yeah i do remember that that was a great tweet thread yeah yeah i think the story i mean i don't know where besides like maybe there's some shit we don't know about uh with this thanksgiving story so they're probably going to have to manufacture drama to apply to it, but I also think like out a base idea, the story of like Thanksgiving and people from two different social groups and classes coming together and starting a new tradition. Like that's good fodder for a, so a movie. And I think it's, it's a good, cute. Good it's a great, I love story. it as a tweet thread. I'm just having trouble picturing getting into the drama of a movie of like a text shows up unexpectedly and then he responds in a cool way, and she responds yeah. in a cool way, and then they have a nice meal. Like it is the most yeah. drama-free. Yeah, those plot points yeah. sound like the least exciting movie I've ever heard okay. of. But but I'm pretty sure this is another like MCU in the making. So it's all other viral <laughs> things that have happened at the same time that will all oh, intersect. Okay. Well, it makes <laughs> sense because we'll make Twitter, all Twitter things are in the universe. Wait. Universe. Yes, so, exactly. so you're proposing a universe where all the viral things that have happened have happened. Yes, so it, exactly. It's very groundbreaking. It's a, a movie universe version only, of our mm. universe, essentially. Yes, it is. It is that's what I'm saying. Stuff. The universe universe. I've been pitching this for years. Oh, I see. All, yeah, thing, yeah. all documentaries are in the same cinematic universe. Except for my uh, octopus teacher. That is just fucking bullshit and not real. It's its own universe of bullshit. Thank you for bringing. I I appreciate you remembering. All right. Uh, Let's get into the homework, you guys. We have all gotten a text inviting us to segment two, the homework, this week. We watched Raising Arizona, the 1987 Coen Brothers comedy starring Nick Cage, Holly Hunter, John Goodman, Francis McDormand, and Tex Cobb as the motorcycle mm-hmm. demon. And of course, as you have already figured out, we're doing this because it's the holidays. Happy holiday holidays, you guys, to all who celebrate. It's Holly Hunter's month. All um, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I it was like I, halfway it, through this movie where where I was like, I'm trying to remember why we chose this. You got to say it, that Holly Hunter holiday, Holly Hunter days. Why? Yeah, it sounds better. It's more okay. descriptive. Like holidays or the, um, the Holly Jolly Holly holidays. There's a lot of ways we can do this. <laughs> it, call it Hollyween. That would be. Not confusing. Oh, yeah, it's Halloween, guys. Yeah. Halloween. 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 Halloween, everybody. Mm. In those December. who celebrate. Also, a very special uh, happy Sinterklaas Day to our Dutch listeners the other day. Mm. Um, the part with the candy in the shoes, not the part that's racist. Um, Have they fixed that part yet? No. <laughs> well, 
Maybe, my mom still has a lot of cousins year. in Holland, and so every year we get a, a report from Facebook that no, they have not fixed that part. Well, maybe the next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's always next year. Good luck. But if you got some stropwaffles in your shoes, but I mean, speaking I, I wonder, of holidays, this nice Arizona summer-based movie is really the ultimate <laughs> Christmas story, right? It, oh yeah. It, I was waiting for it to have something that was like vaguely Christmassy, and it wasn't happening. And that's when I started to try to re-remember why we picked it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it was for not. Holly Hunter. Um, for those of you who've not seen uh, Raising Arizona, which I had not until now, but if you have not seen it, let me give you my brief one-point summary of Raising Arizona. Nick Cage and Holly Hunter steal a baby and get away with it. That's the that, movie. That's that's, that's movie what happens. Movie. It's a really what? it's kind of a weird. They get ad away for with it. Is is that how yeah. you would put it? They got away with it. I mean, yes, they got away. They stole a baby, and nothing mm. bad happens to them. That's true. Nothing bad happens I mean, to them. Bad, I mean, bad things do happen to them. They just I don't would say go to most prison interesting things. Mm. But um, I'll do a longer well, summary. I was just kidding. I got yeah, a six-point summary that you might like a little better. I think better. a good way to the pitch I've always imagined was: What if the Roadrunner and the Coyote were a couple, and they wanted a baby? Right. I mean, that <laughs> I is love, generally well, the best way to sum that. up. This movie, right? It is like one. It it is purposefully, and I mean, everyone has talked about this to this point, but like, this is a live action Roadrunner cartoon as a movie. It's a Looney, it's a Looney Tunes animated film done in live action. Like that was their goal. That was their style. They were trying to make. I didn't know that, uh, but that makes sense. The complete opposite of like Blood Simple. I mean, that's what the, the repeating imagery of, like, the Woody Woodpecker tattoos. Oh, yeah, that was a pretty strong names color. like that, you know. Um, oh, okay, it's just, fair enough. It's, yeah, this movie fucking owns. Okay. Is, so wait, good. is there, before we move on, real quick, I really want to stick on this. <laughs> is there enough, like, Roadrunner and Wiley Wiley Coyote fan fiction or slash fiction out there. That's the that's <laughs> the first. That's the first. Oh, like you ship point. those two. You think we should yeah, definitely? Well, no, that means, like, you really got me thinking about that. more than you can possibly imagine. I, I mean, you're you saying that confidently, yeah. but I doubt you've actually looked at it. You just know no, from having spent time on the internet. I don't need to. I know how the internet works. I okay. guarantee you, between the four of us, we do not have enough hard drive space to contain. <laughs> All the Roadrunner, Wildly Coyote fan fiction <laughs> that exists out there. Desert Love, no. Chapter One. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course I'm, there I'm is. I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. What a cool. silly question. I, the the <laughs> summary is: I saw a picture on Deviant Art where Wiley and Roadrunner were kissing, and it inspired this fiction. <laughs> you mm. know what? Good job, humanity. I like this. <laughs> yeah. This isn't bad. And I forgot. I know what I got you guys slash- for Christmas. <laughs> I forgot how slash fiction is like uh, almost always uh, not like uh, poorly written, but just like, wow, this is uh, problematic already in how we're describing these <laughs> characters. Uh, wow. Yeah. So apparently there it's I'll just give you the brief one one point summary of this, which is that the somebody at the Acme company um, switched up the slow serum and the sexy serum. That's what's happening. Oh, yeah. You can just—I gotta say—classic mix company up at the is, Acme factory. Acme mm-hmm. is largely incompetent, so I don't know how mm-hmm. it just seems like how they're still in business. Just a lawsuit factory that well, place. I mean, the <laughs> thing is, so. you don't 
with a company night like Acme, Acme, you don't need a lot of good customers. You apparently just need like one very lo- loyal uh, Coyote customer, and he will keep the true. lights on. That's he buys definitely so the Acme much whale. Shit. Yes, for sure. I mean, so loyal, unnecessarily yeah. so, right? Like it's these will, these 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 products should have killed him many times over. Like mm-hmm. just to give you some titles to just bra- think about in your own head of some other options from the Looney Tunes uh, slash fiction universe. God of the Rocks is another Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner one. Um, mm. There's also uh, Wrath of the Martians. Okay, so which apparently has a warning for major character death. So that's nice of them to warn us. Mm. Whoa! Um, Wait, this is a slasher fan. Or s- I, I, I'm not even. Uh, another one titled "Do you ever wonder who wraps Wiley e. Coyote's bandages?" <laughs> that you know sounds. Oh, now I like it. <laughs> who wraps? I'm like closing this before the FBI finds me. So let me give you a six-point summary of Raising Arizona from 1987. Okay, so Nick Cage is a repeat convenience store robber with ridiculous sideburns who's getting out of jail for the fifth time, I believe, when he proposes. To the cop who takes his picture, Holly Hunter. She's seen him from the front and the side, so she agrees to marry him. They're mostly happy, classic salad days, until they find out they can't have kids. Oh, bummer. So naturally, they decide the only option is to steal one from a furniture magnate who has too many. So they're doing a pretty good job of having a stolen baby and raising that baby for about 36 hours. And then um, Nick's boss uh, stops by and asks him to try wife swapping. And Nick get a little overreacts and punches him. And then um, that causes the boss to figure out the baby is stolen and try, uh, claim he's going to turn him in. So then he tries to steal the baby from the baby thieves. But then uh, two of Nick's former prison mates who also just broke out of prison, uh, they uh, they steal the baby from the baby stealer's baby stealer. And then they leave it in the highway. And then a demon on a motorcycle tries to get the baby back, baby back, baby back, but accidentally blows himself up. And then they give the baby back and it's fine. And the lesson is you should always swing with your boss if he asks. Yeah. And that's the movie. Well, it worked out fine, though, so I don't think you have to swing. Uh Aren't we all kind of technically employees of you here, Alex? It's kind of a weird thing yeah, to bring up. At any up. point, I suggest that we <laughs> should wife swap. I'm just saying, if you have any secret babies <laughs> that are stolen, that could be a problem. I mean, you also love Pollock jokes. Exclusively off the air. But you also love, love shit. Yeah, I've been meaning to tell you to stop emailing me those, Alex. I don't I need any more. I did really enjoy... I'm ignoring that. I did really enjoy... Um, him not understanding the like how like the two guys not getting how mm. light bulb jokes work, which is mm. like pff, it takes a bunch of them to screw in the light bulb because they're dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, let's yeah. how they work generally. It's not far yeah. off. It's just there's a little I mean, finesse that's missing. I yeah, mean, yeah. I love one of the things I think the Cohen brothers do so well is um they don't like make fun of a lot of their characters and like they are like the periphery characters like the boss is obviously supposed to be an object of ridicule and be mm-hmm. shitty but like nick cage high and ed holly hunter nick cage's character they have so mm-hmm. much compassion and sympathy for these characters that they're writing and i love that like hi um hi uh, nick mm-hmm. cage's character in this movie mm-hmm. one is not only a fashion icon like it is kind of funny how many people i know uh still their aesthetic exclusively from nick cage in this movie uh he looks so fucking dope in every scene but also Mm -hmm. like he's like this dumb shitty criminal but he's also like hey man those racist jokes aren't funny 
You know, can he yeah. like stop yeah. doing it? Like there's yeah, these yeah. little they, moments. They did a with great him job of making so him like he he can't help himself but do armed robberies. Like the idea that he drives by the convenience store and just kind of like thinks about it, like yeah. reminisces, is really cute. And he never had any bullets, so it's not yeah. actually that dangerous. Like yeah, they did a great job of making him like anti-hero fun and like even though we i don't think they should people should steal babies i was like with it i was hoping they'd get away with it there's a lot, of, nice. a lot of affection for these characters clearly yeah and i think that's yeah. that's yeah. that's one of the things that makes it so like good-hearted you, you are rooting for them well so um let's talk a little bit about the coins for a second actually because you mentioned this is supposed to be the opposite of blood simple which is our first movie mm-hmm. what is what is your like list how do you do how do you see the coins movies what's your uh, best I mean, worst I, I don't oh my god me personally that I, I think it's it's easier to name the ones i don't like uh than the ones like which ones i do like like i do think that they're, they're like they're a really interesting uh filmmaking crew because you can filmmaking duo because you can kind of like divide their career into a few different phases and i think it's what's really interesting about it is like reading reviews for this is if you go back and read reviews when this came out you know in a world now when we have Wes Andersons and Edgar Wrights and a lot of directors who are obviously influenced by early Cohen, especially Raising Arizona, and people are kind of used to it, but so many reviews when this came out are like, I can't tell, is this supposed to be like realistic or surreal? I don't know. Is the whole movie yeah. a dream? Like, yeah. like people just didn't get, like, no, it's just a fun cartoon, man. Like, like let it go. I think uh, no, but, but I could see that because that's how I felt. Because uh, the first one that I ever saw was uh, was Lebowski, yeah, and it was very upsetting the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And then later I saw it a second time. I was like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." Um, so it's it is a it's such a different style. Yeah, and yeah, I'm mean, mentioning Anderson is such a great way to think about it, which I also thought was a little off putting at first. But then when you just sort of reside yourself to that liminal space of unreality you're like oh, what a great time we're having yeah i i like to think it, of them it takes kind me, of, i think it doesn't take a second to get a cat acclimated yeah. to the water no I, yeah, I just want to know think you can't i just want to know what, what that feels saying? like though alex like when did when did you see lebowski like how old were you like 15 maybe yeah and you were like oh i'm like put off by the i don't know i think i was just so into cartoons that i was just like yeah sometimes sometimes everything in the sometimes mm-hmm. the rules of the universe are also really silly and very goofy yeah, well, but when it's real life, that's the difference, is that the pe- they're actual people. Well, I, the thing I the think... Coen brothers do so well, I, I love, is when they take, like, Big Lebowski is probably the best, Big Lebowski and Fogo are probably the two best examples of this, but they take a genre that everyone knows. Like, Big Lebowski is a classic noir thriller, right? Oh, yeah. It yeah, is okay, this, yeah. this kidnapping that. mystery, but you pit a completely apathetic. Uh, the dude, it, what if the dude was the protagonist of like a Raymond Chandler novel, right? right? And like the way they play with conventions and they do that a lot. Um, and I, I think that is a causes like dissonance. Like I remember in, in school, I was in this film writing class and we had uh, like a guest speaker come in who went on this whole rant about how Big Lebowski is like the worst screenplay ever written uh, <laughs> because it the whole, whole thing was that it was just you can't write a script with the protagonist who has no interest in being in this movie or doing anything. Right. And I think it's just like 
she had like this very classic idea of how a screenplay should work, and I think Big Lebowski is like genius and works really well. But because it broke, yeah, I mean, every I'm, not a, rule, I'm not good at this world, knows. but I, I feel like it's not hard to say that a character's desire to not be in the adventure anymore counts. Like, yeah, that's yeah. still a desire, and I, I think it's so actually too. a very funny idea that his desire is to not be involved with an adventure, to just like go chill, and it keeps not being able to happen. And then at some point, he has a minor interest in money, and that like leads him to get out of the place he wants yeah. to be, avoiding adventure. I, I like, yeah, I think great. even classically, that movie makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Do I. but I mean, I think you have to like if the in terms of like talking about the Cohen's filmography, I think it's best to kind of break it into chunks. Like, I think you can do, like, Blood Simple to Fogo as, like, kind of, like, the first part of their career, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, the sort 80s. of, like, F- yeah, Fogo until, you know, like, around, like, Big Lebowski. And once they kind of, like, get into, like, the No Country for Old Men, Bone After Reading run, they right. have, like, so these very distinct phases that they kind of 85, 95, 95 to 2005, and then, yeah, more recent. Um, So what are you, okay, so what are your... I feel like we all like some of these or most of these. What are what are some highlights then? So obviously Lebowski is up there for a lot of us. I'll go on. I, so I like the lighter stuff generally. Like I think I mm. very few of these do I like as much as I I like a lot of them. I don't like any of them as much as I want to. I think is kind of where I'm at on it. Where it's like I think that there's like maybe like a good chunk of sensibility overlap with me uh, and the Coens, but not like perfect. But like I liked. I I remember watching this before. I really like it, and I think probably my one of my favorites. I, I'm might be alone in this is um Hudsucker Proxy. Uh Hudsucker Proxy is great. It, and I've not seen it, so I like, can't be ton- on your side or not. Yeah, to- totally that's like very, that's like a that's like that's my sweet spot where it's like this is weird, yeah. but it's like it's weird but no one dies is basically like where yeah, I'm at. I mean I really <laughs> love I love like all of the kind of funny com funny kind of more playful movies like Hudsucker's mm-hmm. Proxy, The Man Who Wasn't There, um like uh, I really, really love uh, like but the Ballad of Buster Scrubs. But for I me, liked, I like parts of Ballad of Buster Scrubs. There were a couple of those that I thought were amazing, and a couple that I thought yeah. dragged a little bit. The Tom Waits as a crazy gold prospector mm. story in Buster Scrubs is like one of my favorite shorts I've yeah. ever seen. It's just so but, delightful. Yeah, I mean, oh brothers, great. But to me, oh, I, brothers, like, to me, oh brother art that was phenomenal. I think I, that's. The, just a, just a brilliant piece of film. Fogo, yeah, really No Country, Fold Man, A Serious Man, and uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis are like my top four Coen Brothers movies. I think those, I, will, like, I definitely I will toss in that I, I watched True Grit fairly recently and I loved That's it. That's great. I liked True that Grit's one a lot. great. Yeah. True yeah. Grit was really, really fun. Um, I cannot wait for the tragedy of Macbeth, even though it's only Joel Cohen. I'm so. So tell me what that is. I, that's their their upcoming film from A24 well, and Apple? What it's is that? Just Joel Cohen. Uh, okay. Ethan's is the first one I think they're done. he's done by himself. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, this, it's Macbeth. Is it because this is easier or because they disagree about it? I, I don't know what happened. Maybe Ethan was just like, nah, I'm going to set this one out. But yeah, it's a. It's a retelling of Macbeth. It's got Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, a bunch of other great people in it. Uh, hmm. It looks phenomenal. I've heard nothing but great things. I love the aesthetic that they're going for with it. How do they do directing? Do they trade off, or is it always no, one is they, directing, one's producing? Well, so the way the Coens worked uh, up until what movie was it that they changed it on? But it used to always be for like the first half of their career. They wrote, directed, and edited all of their movies together. 
but it was oh, okay. um Joel was always the director, Ethan was always credited as producer. They would switch on writing in terms of who got top build, and then they mm-hmm. always edited under a pseudonym. So oh. and then recently, I forget which film it was, like Oh Brother, they went to written and directed by the Cohen brothers. But yeah, because, because they were like of, the Cohen brothers now. At that point, they yeah. They had enough and, cachet from that, maybe? Yeah, so I think, but yeah, they've always, like, you know, when you listen to, like, it actors talk about them, apparently, like, you know, they, they write together, they're extremely close. People always say, like, if you go up to Joel and ask him a question and then go up to Ethan and ask him the same question, you'll get the same exact a- answer. Like, they're just always on the same page about what they're making and the tone of it. Yeah. And they really I, just I remember, have uh, a, I could be wrong, but I remember a I think very, that... very strong sense of what they're doing. Yeah, I, I remember, I think my my my, uh, my my movie buddy, I think, was telling me that, like, I think one focused kind of more on maybe performance side, maybe one was other on, like, more, like, technical side. Uh, like, maybe that was how they kind of split the partnership at the time. I, I'm sure someone would know specifically who did who who did one. But I remember that, hearing that, like, being called, like, the two-headed director also, where it's, like, that that, mm-hmm. that mind meld, I think, was was was, was present. This is very cool and interesting. Um, Have you all guys right, let's seen go back Inside Arizona Will and Davis? As well. No, I haven't yet. It's on my short list. You've told me about it a couple times, so I've been meaning it's, to watch him. It's definitely, I think, one of the more slept-on movies. And also, I think anyone who is, like, a artist or in a creative field that requires the, like, investing in yourself and having dreams and putting yourself out there should absolutely watch that movie but brace themselves because it's fucking a kick in the nuts. It is, uh, I think it's one of the best movies about, like, being a creative uh, artist and how like it doesn't always work out for everybody. Um, I mean, it sounds it's like you're asking people great. to go enjoy getting kicked in the nuts, and I'm just not sure. Yeah, some people do. Yeah, I bet we could find a lot of uh, <laughs> stuff with uh, Roadrunner and oh uh, Cody where there's I'm not there's, googling there's... that. I don't have Please. the stomach for it. <laughs> um, all right, let's go back to Raising Arizona though. Some things about this movie in particular. Um, so, I, I, one thing I actually, I think probably an early thing to start out, we talked a little bit about Nick Cage's hair. Um, I I think the other thing that we have to highlight, you made a reference to this earlier, Anthony, is the food is insane in this movie. Like, to have a movie that is so settled on having, like, all the food is crazy. There are bunt cakes just all over the mm-hmm. place. Every table's got three bunt cakes on it. Jello molds. <laughs> the, the way... Um, the the uh the way they eat cornflakes is just like itself like i i feel like there could be an acting class where you just talk to john goodman about his cornflakes for a while like uh, inside the actor's studio where you're just like no man this is how i did the cornflake scene and uh, uh yeah. they do a thanksgiving dinner that has like peanut butter sa- celery sticks in the middle of the tr- mm. and it's just like a fascinating uh decision on food like i feel like somebody involved in this production was like i'm in charge of food and it's gonna be fucking nuts mm-hmm. i think well, that's I kind mean, of like I... oh good well just that, that feels like the ethos for like a lot of it where it's just like you know whatever the element is that we have we're gonna like we are not we, we've eliminated all the phones so no one can phone it in whatever we is you know whether it's you know like <laughs> wardrobe you know like props like, yeah you know, food styles, yeah. hair whatever it is it's like it's all it's we're all going for it and i think when you have that kind of clear like like weird, like cartoony, maybe uh, like distorted fairy tale kind of version where it's like that clear of a vision. You get to like say, oh, okay, how can we bring this uh, approach to this element, to this element? And they they really do. 
Uh, that is such a great way to say it. And I feel like that's true of a lot of the Cohen things is that yeah. they take all the phones away. Yeah. Uh, the interesting about, I think, early Cohen Brothers movies is you have to also give credit to Barry Seinenfeld was the cinematographer for a very long time till he went on to be his own director. But like mm. Barry Seinenfeld, you know, did like the Adams Family movies, the Men in Black trilogy. Uh, he has mm, a very, wild, very don't forget about Wild Wild West. Wild, wild, wild West, yeah. Wild, wild West. <laughs> for the record, Anthony. I want to I want to go yeah. on 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 record for saying that. But he saying has what? such Wild Wild West. Oh, oh you just want to say it, or I just know I want to go on the record saying that I like Wild Wild West. Like you that's, do. That, that's fun. Yeah. yeah, we can talk about Wild Wild West at some point. So I like Wild Wild West. What? what 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 really makes that movie work for you? Yeah, uh, is it the is it the when, boob joke? No, no, it's when he shoots uh, Kenneth Branagh at the end, and he's like, "You missed," and he's like, "Did I?" And then he like, "Go." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's pretty good. You got me there. But, that's it. But Barry, also, like, you're saying you watched the whole movie and you didn't like it till the end. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I liked all of it. <laughs> and the songs, but it really yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, I do. Obviously, the songs are pretty solid. Yeah. Okay. You guys remember that time uh, <laughs> Will Smith was performing Wild Wild West at the VMAs with Stevie Wonder, and they left Stevie Wonder on yes. stage at the end? <laughs> they got him later, though. He's not still there, right? Yeah, but no, they got him after a few minutes, I've, but everyone yeah, I haven't left. Seen the VMAs recently, but I don't think I, I don't think he's been on stage. Yeah, but they, they uh, rescued him. He was performing. It was like Cisco, Stevie Wonder, and Will Smith. You know, absolutely. Three icons of the industry, right? Yeah, and they all exit the stage except for Stevie Wonder, who's just sitting there like, uh, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> very funny. Uh, but <laughs> Barry Seinfeld has such a unique aesthetic that his movies all look a certain way, and like this movie of the early Cohen Brothers looks the most like a Seinfeld film. You know, like uh, a yeah. lot of the like the, the camera angles and the lenses they use. Um, but yeah, I, I just love the the aesthetic and the the humor. Sorry, in this movie. I, I missed this for a second ago when we were talking about Wild Wild West. But um, I did see somebody post the other day that that Will Smith was like close to getting the role of Neo. No, he he was offered Neo and he turned. He it was down offered Neo and turned Wild it down West. to yes. do Wild Wild West. Okay, so if yes. he had cool. taken that. We would have gotten a Matrix rap album from. Oh him. my god! Oh, I mean, that. that is yeah. I think would have been with Stevie Wonder yeah. singing the Matrix rap. Oh my one god! One to zeros, one to zeros. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we got uh, Rage Against the Machine. This we're in the dark universe for sure, man. This sucks. Uh, I, I that yeah. is crazy that he turned that down. Yeah, I mean, what a I, different I, movie, right? I it mean, would like, be. Keanu yeah. is brilliant, and but he, he like Will Smith is like such. They're not even like how do yeah. you how do you see the vision of the same movie and with both of them in? Well, you how know, it was you originally so it was originally it was originally be, a light comedy. Will no, it was Will Smith and Sean Connery or Val Kilmer as Morpheus were the original choices, right? And then what a man! So then I wish we down. could for just a second. Hmm like pop over to that universe and watch yeah. that and then come back just be like guys yeah. it is wild sean connery yeah. as morpheus talking to will smith is like wow you guys just boy it just be raining robots do, here in the matrix do, do you think <laughs> i really like this you're breathing? um <laughs> but yeah no the will smith the will smith matrix thing is like it's a fun thought experiment i do think the matrix goes from 
a classic to like a very good Will Smith movie, but it becomes yeah. a Will Smith movie the second yes. you put Will Smith in it, right? Like I the tone so, changes, yeah. the humor. Um, but I think he would have been great. I just do think Keanu is perfect uh, in the role. I've been yes, yeah. I'm, doing... I'm, just, I'm having so much trouble imagining the tone because it would be yeah. such a different tone. Yeah, man. All right. Anyway, back to Raising Arizona. The other thing I want to say, the most important thing I want to get out about this movie is that I hate this baby. Oh, yeah? My only complaint, really, about the movie Raising Arizona is that I hate the baby that they used. What's the matter with the baby? It was the most movie baby I've ever seen, where it, like, doesn't seem real at all. Like, that's not even a real baby. It's too clean. It's always staring at mom holding a toy behind the right. camera. Like it always, it has no other facial mm. expressions except looking at whatever point there he's being forced know, to. When the baby pulls his hood over his eyes during the co scene, right? And then, that's and then he does the most. Then it almost becomes like a boss baby moment. Look, you think you want real baby? You don't want real baby. You don't want real right? baby. This yeah. is, I've seen keep... babies in movies before. This was the. This one bothered me more. It was too movie. Mm. Yeah, it was like they went too far to one side. Mm. Okay. I don't know. You need a baby that even two holding criminals would immediately fall in love with, right? I'm saying and this movie would be hard to love because this baby had no personality at all. Mm. Wow, the baby didn't have enough personality. He didn't have any that's personality. Your... I would, in fact, I would say that baby because that's 87. So that baby is like, uh, you know, pretty much my same age, a little younger. He's than gonna me, come and kick your ass. What if I'm you willing to say this? Up. He does no, not have a you... career in acting because he's so bad in this movie. What if you found out you were the baby and your parents just never told you and you're just oh, really yeah. projecting a lot you in there? yourself right now? Yeah, you know? that's a good question. Actually, I haven't actually. Lo- I should have looked into the baby situation. Are there like because it's if it's if it's quintuplets in the movie, doesn't that mean it had to be ten babies to make that work? I don't think all of them were shooting that long, right? So like this, there were not that many shots of the uh, of the original set of babies. Right? If anything. It's the quintuplets were probably like a really sweet deal because you get the one scene with all of them, and then you just use the four of them to switch in and out for the baby you're using later, right? All right, does that make sense? Kidnapped, taught in raising Arizona, escaped acting to become what? Article by the Today Show. Look at him, he looks nice. TJ Kuhn. Um, yeah, okay, wait, what does he do? Scrolling, scrolling. Um, it, Nathan Jr.'s fellow quintuplets were played by no fewer than 12 babies. Whoa. Whoa. I that was right. Like and that was day. the other four. Good um, job. They, uh, they got the best one with him. Um, I mean, wait, say what you will speak? about the babies in this movie. I thought the other kid actors, especially during the Thanksgiving dinner scene, when the direction must have been like, all right, kids, just go fucking ham on the set. Just start running around hitting shit what's gonna roll cameras go uh that was really fun i I, I scrolled past it so um he appeared in two commercials after this as a baby and then decided acting was not for him he is currently a real estate agent in phoenix no good for him i'm glad he stayed in arizona yeah good job really cool that's where he was raised yeah did he change his name to arizona does he sell unpolished (laughs) uh, unpainted furniture furniture. funny detail by the way, great. It's it's another uh-huh. not phoning it in, and like his, the commercials yes. being, um, or or my name isn't, and then it turns out that it's not really his name. It's yeah. just a great <laughs> great job. <laughs> Did, um, I don't know if you guys saw the link, but there is a I guess 
uh, a didn't. documentary in post uh, called Arizona Raised about the babies. Mm. Oh my god! Oh, what what happened? That to is a solid idea. Lights, yeah. camera, diapers. That's the name, mm. or that's the tagline. Wow! I that's can't believe funny. someone did that. Um. Starring T.J. Kuhn. There he is as the baby. Um, it is interesting that it was one baby to do all the difficult acting, and it was twelve babies to be the ones just sitting there in the giant crib. There's a lot of waiting. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, they needed to have babies ready to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were just grabbing whichever baby babies wrangler. and being like, "Get that baby in." That baby seems ready to go. Get that baby in there. Um, <laughs> there, uh, as you also shared, the Change.org petition to force Will Smith to write the <laughs> Matrix rap, <laughs> which so far has only eight uh, signatures. So She's about to have nine. Okay, yeah, right? Why wouldn't you want this? I'm going to add to this. I feel great about this. Yeah, I mean, this. because of the podcast, right, it's, it's getting the read and we bounce. By the time you read this, it'll have as many as 12 signatures. Do you Done. think the, the person he started, change.org, ever just like looks in the mirror and being like, man, it's not what I wanted when I started this? <laughs> I, I thought this was actually going to help. And all people do is yell at creatives to redo their shows when fans don't like it. And change that org, to get org petition canceled. to let me be free. Yeah. To oh, stop geez. ruining my creation. Um <laughs> You know, I, right. who I think we also uh we should talk about not just talking yes, about please. uh the babies, but we need to talk about a man. All right? Yeah. We need to talk about it's the like good that. man. Oh the uh I mean who I think is John Goodman maybe a finest actor? Is he is he in the conversation? Does he not get? I mean, because one, you can't really talk about the Coen Brothers without talking about John Goodman. He's in most of their movies. Mm. He's probably the most frequent collaborator. He's incredible in all of them. But then it's, outside of that, he's has one of the steadiest careers. He's great in everything. He pops up in like four movies a year. Uh, plus, this still does a lot of great TV stuff. He's really great on the Righteous Gemstones right now. His voice work is great. Uh, but yeah, man, John Goodman. Uh, Boy, he has been a, a great, lot of stuff, too. Great actor. Yeah, he's working. Uh, he's working, yeah. huh? This and guy gets like, a lot of, of those uh, monthly green checks. Yeah, and he's, like, you know, he famously has you know, been very, very open about like his substance and alcohol abuse stuff, which I love to see like somebody get through that and talk about how... Yeah. Like, He's turned his life around. He looks incredible now that he's lost all that weight. He looks super, super healthy. I'm just so happy for him. But he is, he is you so fucking good. Yeah, I watched a bit of that. Not he was like, he was like this brilliant part of the first season, and then it was like, I don't think they could afford him. And then there's just a random accident that takes him out of the show. Yeah, um, yeah he's That's he has been he's so great. Although he's also like almost always annoying. That's a thing that he does as well as anybody in movies is be like a slightly annoying character, especially in the Coens. Like in this movie, he is real grating and difficult, yeah, but in a way I that is know. very fun. That and scene his, when he bursts the scene out where of... they just scream, where they're it's just like so it's like four minutes of just them yeah. screaming. It's <laughs> it's a it's a yeah. Nobody phoned that in either. Yeah, that is. I really hope he had a nice hot glass of tea or some lozenges on. Oh set yeah, that yeah, day. definitely had some throat coat after that day. I mean, through the mud, just screaming. As oh man, that's skin. awesome! Yeah, 
Oh God, uh, he really is the good man. Uh, he's, he's he's a good man. Yeah, God, yeah, I love John I, Goodman I, I so much. I agree with that. Boy, he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, it's just yeah. he was in Chud. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah, Bud the Chud. No, no, I do not, not Bud remember the Chud. Chud. You, this is before your time, Hunter and Anthony. Yeah. But as we watched Chud mm. and, or did we only watch the sequel, Bud the Chud? I only remember Chud. I two. think we may have only. So okay, so Chud, as you guys remember, is a low budget horror movie about the cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller, which are like. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I know about this. And then there's a sequel that is completely unrelated called Bud the Chud that is a goofy comedy where like a body rolls down the highway. Yeah, and it, has it was nothing to do with. It. Yeah, it, it rolled for a while. And so, you know, the classic like um, uh, electric boogaloo joke when you have to name a sequel and you don't, you just make people call it electric boogaloo. Ours for a long time on the show was Bud the Chud. So it'd be <laughs> Matrix 6 Bud the Chud, for example. Yeah. And, uh, but he was in the original Chud, which was actually trying to be a good movie. Do you guys ever see 10 Cloverfield Lane? No. Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good. John Goodman is fucking phenomenal in it. He is so goddamn good in that movie. And then I don't think either of these are very good movies, but he was starring in two best pictures back to back, which I think is pretty interesting. The Otis oh, that is cool. And Ogo. And then he was also, I mean, going back to the Matrix talk, he was Papa Racer in Speed Racer, a.k.a. the greatest American film ever made. Uh, so he's great in everything. I mean, God damn. John he's also Goodman. played, he's also played Santa and Babe Ruth. I mean, that's a, he's covering a lot yeah. of ground. He's, yeah. You know. <laughs> it is funny he, to see a list of things, um, where when you're John Goodman, uh, shaped like to a list of character names yeah. that are like, maybe not all compliments. He plays, uh, like mighty Mac, big Dan, um, boom, boom, Big Daddy, an other unrelated movie where he's also called Big Daddy. Um, <laughs> he's played a, a variety of Big Daddies. Large Little Man. Frank. Yeah. Huge Eddie, he played. I mean, uh, let's not forget. Gary, uh, in this movie, his... it's just, he's just called Refrigerator. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on exactly, in that one, man. Exactly. Let's dump not truck, forget his, he plays his a dump role. Truck. It's pretty nuts. King Ralph. He was also the king, Ralph, as well. Don't forget that, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Benjamin was the king of England. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's a a trivia question, guys. Uh So, uh, who? Let's see if I got this right. So you're saying John Goodman was in two uh, Best Picture, uh, I guess, uh, right back to back uh, Uh nominees. So, um, who? So that was two. So who? Who that you can think of has been in more Best Picture nominees? I'm so bad at this. This is why Anthony's I mean, on whatever quiz team I'm ever on. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with someone like a, a Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. right. Also, uh, back back because... for Deer Hunter, Kramer versus Kramer, and then later uh, out of Africa. So she got three. Mm-hmm. There Anyone was else? somebody. Wasn't there somebody I mean, last It's probably going to be somebody like Stephen Tobolowski, right? Some character actor sure. who's just yeah. in like, a million things. I'm open uh, not him, but yeah. yeah. That, the, um, so there, there's someone who got up to seven, which is wild. Uh, but like, I don't know or total, to, total, well, total. Yeah. So well, Frank, I mean, there's Franklin fi- Arnhem. Uh, I was gonna say there's uh, who's... who is it? Who did you say, Ezra? Oh, Franklin Farnham. Uh, I guess he's been who, in seven yeah. best pictures. 
uh, nominees, yeah, but between uh, 1937's The Life of uh, Emile Zola, uh, oh, all the way this to is, Around the but, World but in the 30s, ADAs. in the 30s, yeah. there were like eight movies a year, so you're gonna get you got a 50 50 shot of winners. being in one of the four best but picture yeah, nominations. I mean, you, you gotta say, in that case, you gotta count someone mm-hmm. like John Cazale, right? Who was only in like six movies, but every single one of them was nominated or won Best Picture. Yeah, right? he's yeah, Frito yeah, from The Godfather. He's in yeah, Deer Hunter. Guy. He's yeah, in right. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, we watched him in the Dog conversation. Day Conversation. Uh, one of the best actors also was engaged to Meryl Streep for a long time. So kind of ties back into that as well. Oh, okay. So he was also nominated for um, Best Meryl Streep Husband. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they have actually got married. They might have. Yeah, nominated but and, never won. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, we have to wrap up on this. I feel like we covered pretty well all of Raising Arizona. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I think in 52 minutes of the show so far, we've talked about Raising Arizona for maybe four minutes of it. But let's do our That's, final thoughts. Come on. Hunter. You've seen it. Everyone everyone in the world has already seen it. Everyone has never seen it. This is my first world. time. Hunter, oh, what's really? your final it's thought on, on Raising Arizona? Uh, it's good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's funny. There's a lot of funny mm-hmm. moments in it. Um, mm-hmm. it. You should have already seen it. If you haven't seen it yet, just don't see it, I guess, because you <laughs> just messed up, I guess. I guess you're just an you don't idiot. Wanna, you don't want if people to celebrate <laughs> Halloween with us right now? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You don't need to celebrate Halloween. You do not need to watch <laughs> Raising Arizona if you haven't seen it thus far. You should have already seen it. You messed up. Somehow we have not talked about Holly Hunter. I was going to say that was going to be. Yeah, we didn't talk about Holly Hunter even a little bit. Yeah, because she's a delight in this movie. She's so like her and the cage together seem like they are having a blast filming this movie, and. Uh I know of, I think of Nick Cage as being a cartoon. I don't think of Holly Hunter being as much of a cartoon, oh. but she is so funny. She just, was even just a cartoon she, in Incredibles. That's true. Mm. That is true. Um, <laughs> but it's not her body. It's just her voice. Anyway, the, just the, I mean, the scenes where she's taking photos and body, just her emotional you know I mean? journey. Nope, nope, stop <laughs> now, but, nope never. <laughs> just her as the photographer like was very funny. The, I think yeah. my favorite line from her is where she's like, I I swore to uphold the Constitution mm. as a as an officer. I can't do this. And he's like, No, you resigned your position first. This is a great little anyway. Yeah. They are just a blast together. What one I think, yeah, just if we're gonna one last hit on it, that initial opening that the pre-credits sequence of that is maybe one of my favorites. So that, that oh, first yeah. eleven minutes uh, it's before very long the, pre yodeling. Yeah, uh, that's like it's like up but happy, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean all the little gags and storytelling techniques and the use of like repetition and repeating imagery that happens in that first 11 minutes uh yeah and like this just i think with the coens in general is that they're so like cinematic gets thrown around a lot and i I think like the coen brothers do that so well in terms of like their writing the performances the way they shoot it just really capturing something that like you couldn't do that in any other medium you couldn't do that in a book that sequence would never work as well, could never work like that on a play. It's like solely film. It's just such a great, the power and what you can do with movies and like the Coen brothers control over the medium. It's just, it's incredible. That opening little vignette montage. You just have one more Holly Hunter um, movie that you, that you think of. Do you have another Holly like thing that comes to mind when you think about Holly Hunter besides Elastigirl? I, she is, so she is Elastigirl for me. Um, I because I, I watched both The Incredibles a good chunk. I I feel like I was always supposed to have seen the piano, but I never did. So I I don't know. Is that a Nazi one? I don't know, man. No, no, no. no. I think that you're thinking of the think, pianist. 
Yeah. No, I am. You're right. Okay, this is a, so. So we've already seen the pianist, but are you curious about the story behind the piano? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when I when Holly I think Hunter of as the piano, when I think of Holly Hunter, I mean, she has such an, a, a great career. But it's like raising Arizona broadcast news is fucking yeah. incredible, and she is the yeah. uh, ten out of ten in that movie just amazing elastigirl is obviously very very great i love when she pops up and stuff like she had a pretty major role in the second season of succession uh last yeah, year which was, was awesome so awesome succession last year to that was see great. her in that she is just she just dominates and then like even stuff recently like the big sick yeah uh, she was yeah. great in that yeah. uh obviously again we can't talk about holly hunter without talking about you know, the really, really important movies she's in, like Batman v Superman, Donna Justice. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, where she drinks grandma's pee. Uh, yeah. But no, that that's bad. But anyway, like those things that she's in is so, so good. She's just such a delightful um, person who, I, who I'm pretty sure I could fit in my pocket. I think she's like three inches tall. She's very, very <laughs> tiny. Uh, and Nick Cage is not, not a short man. He so there's some fun height yeah. dynamics in this movie too. All right, but, we're gonna wrap on that. We're gonna we're gonna call that the end of holidays. We have one little bit of business we need to take care of, and then we'll be done for the day. So stick around for a very interesting business. All right, you're right. It's not that interesting. I just in... had to say that so that you wouldn't leave when I said business is all that's left because that sounds not fun to me. So yeah. I said it was very interesting, but that was just a tease. Okay, so we I have also one. Forgot, uh, Holly Hunter was in Crash, the good one, the Cronenberg one, a hot um, one. You mean the hot one? Yeah, hot crash. A you ever seen crash. people fucking and at car accident scenes? No, I, I, we've talked then about you've, I've you only heard about this on this show from you. Oh and my I god! Oh my god! This is clearly so clear. There's a crash version where it's only Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> or is there is there like could you do crash backslash fiction where you're like you take all the sex out of it where you're just like these are people who help people when car accidents happen? Oh, interesting. What's the fun of that movie? Who would watch that? I mean, watch um, James Spader and Holly Hunter make love in a correct. Now that's a no, feature. That's no, cinema, baby. That's a okay. movie. Anyway, yeah. So let's let's uh oh one thing. So we mentioned last week movies that were backwards, where they were musicals first, and then they got unmusical versions of it. And we've had a few people write in to say they could not think of any. Even people who I thought would for sure come up with one stumped them. The one that we got was from Jay Number One, who we talked a, a little bit to last week, um, who mentioned Disney's Mulan, the live action version. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It wasn't on Broadway, but it went from musical movie to non musical movie. Okay. That, that is counts. True. Yeah, I think that's the best we have yeah. so far. So if you guys have more of that as a fun trivia game, I would love to hear more suggestions for that. And then Jay also has a question that I think this is going to go mostly to Anthony and Hunter. But um, Jay asks, can we throw back to film school season briefly and recap what a director does? Specifically, I am perplexed by Disney Plus's new Beatles documentary being led by, quote, Peter Jackson director. Mm. Yeah. So what so, would Peter Jackson have done as director on the Beatles movie? Yeah, like an assemblage of Beatles footage. So um, that was... Uh, filmed and directed by someone else decades ago so like did he just 
What what did he do? What what is that? How does, how does that work? Let's be real. He probably in just case. sat in the editing bay while some you know freaking student had to sit down and say, "Do you like this, Peter? Do you like this? Do you like hmm. this one?" And he's like, "No, I don't like that one. I want it to be different." And then he would like yeah. take a long lunch, hmm. you know, and get paid the most money hmm. for it, hmm. more than the Beatles well, got paid for it. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely more than George and John made on it, for sure. I was working on that, and I gave up, and then, Anthony, you just took the ball and ran with it. Um, but I yeah, I think that, you know, certainly a documentary like this, like, there's a lot of documentaries that are just compiled of different film. You know, when Stephen Sondheim passed last week, I, Heather and I watched a documentary called Six by Sondheim, which is just a collection of old interviews and archive footage of someone took and like found a narrative through line through and built a documentary for right so you would say like the 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 people who assembled that were the directors of that documentary but like this is the same thing it's not like it's not like he took the let it be film and like recut it he went back i mean he's probably looking at you know hundreds of hours of footage from that was recorded at this time and having to sort hours of film footage and over 150 hours of audio yeah okay so you have 60 hours of footage 150 audio and you have to find the narrative through line through that that is what the director does on this right he Mm. went through and he he picked out what he wanted he found the story he wanted to i haven't watched it yet i'm very excited to um but like i don't know i if a few years ago, Peter Jackson made a documentary we talked about on this podcast called They Shall Not Grow Old, which is his World right. War One uh, footage documentary, which I thought was really, really great. Uh, I and, do kind of want he invented to... a bunch of like film restoration techniques for that. Yeah. And they took, like, like, it's like colorized footage, right? Yeah. Colorized. They went through and hired um, voice re- like lip readers to figure out what everyone was saying mm. in the ADO dialogue in it. And this was all like hand-cranked World War II footage. So they stabilized it to an even frame rate, colorized it, and then World added audio. And World yeah. War I, yeah. Added all this Foley, all this ADO, to like really bring World War I footage to life. It's really, really fascinating documentary. Um, I, I've been a little... I used to love Peter Jackson, especially his mm-hmm. early work. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything through the Lord of the Rings trilogy Peter Jackson is like phenomenal. Uh, but I mean, he hasn't, what was his, I mean, I really liked King Kong. Most people don't, but I, everything after that, the Hobbit films, fucking lovely bones, all of his stuff has been so mediocre. The Tintin franchise. I mean, Hey, Tintin actually fucked. Don't I, I'll Mor- take, Mortal I will Engines? Say he produced that. I don't think he wrote or directed it, but like, um, he producer and I co-writer. Wanted, yeah, I want him to get back to, like, directing an actual, you know... I would love to see him do, like, a horror film again, especially because it's, like, early horror movies are so good and, like, what I think Did of... Did we read Mortal Engines, Ezra? I feel like that was a different one. Maybe Mortal Instruments, if that was a thing? Or... Yes, you're right. That's what it is. We, we read okay. the Mortal Instruments, not the different Mortal Engines. stuff. A lot of things are good mortal. Point. Yeah. Good point. Um, Did yeah, you listen I... to the Danzig album, Immortal, as well? I'm never um, not listening to it. I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> That's why he had to mute because it's playing in the yeah. background. Apparently the theme of this, like the main point of view of the documentary, the, this Beatles documentary is like, mm. no, they were friends. 
Like that's just my <laughs> basically like everyone like the the main belief. Oh yeah, because the other one is like acrimonious process to write this record, and mm-hmm. this movie was like no no no, they were friends. Well that's, yeah, have you ever seen that to... other one where they're like being all mean to each other and stuff? Mm. Yeah, apparently this is trying to say that's not true. They were very nice to each other. Or that yeah. people can contain multitudes, and you know it's like I bet. It's like the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, I can't imagine Ringo or George being mean to anybody. Uh, but, like, John, I can absolutely see being a dick a lot of yeah. the time. Uh, that's yeah, just how that I imagine. Um, but yeah, I don't know I'm enough about the but that seems fair. Have any of you watched okay. it yet? No, nah. not, no, I'm not. I saw, so I saw the first 45 minutes, I guess, of the first one. And it's mm. good. It's just, it's weird, though. It's like you're just waiting for, you're waiting for the thing to happen. It's still interesting, but it's like you're like, okay, now when's going to happen? And you're just kind of hanging out with them in the and back. The thing stage. that you're waiting to happen is the record to be done. I don't know. It just feels like you're not used to this. It's just such a long time to just be like, I don't know if you, Alex, like you know, like you're on set, you're just hanging out on set before like yeah. you're actually they have you. It's this that it's that. Hmm. This is like a green room movie. Yeah, it feels like green that, room, the, the green movie, room. but not the movie green room. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I have a, uh, I have that doesn't back, sound exciting to me at all. It's not bad. It's good. Like it's just, but it's just, it's like a hangout. It's just, just hanging out with the Beatles. It really feels intimate, I guess. Would you yeah. say that you have to be a real big fan of the Beatles, like as people to enjoy it? Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm a medium fan of the Beatles in all ways. And I enjoyed the 45 minutes. I was watched of it, but I haven't craved going back for the next mm. seven, uh, and a half seven hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I don't. I the Beatles and Wait, I are not close enough that I'd want to hang out with them for eight Three hours. Three episodes yeah. of two and a half hours each. Yeah. Damn, I had no yeah. idea it was that long. That's so long. It's yeah. pretty long. Uh, long. I, yeah, I'm probably good. Yeah, yeah I like the Beatles, but I don't really, yeah. I don't really care to hang out with them. You know. Mm-hmm. There you go. I and like, that's uh, honestly probably how they would feel about me. So it's oh, it's yeah, not dude, like the Beatles, a big yeah, Ringo doesn't want to hang out with me. He just wants to work on his weird art. You know, he's seen as art. What do we have in common? should check That's out Ringo's thing, art. It looks like I he made Ringo... it on MS Paint, and I mean that in a yeah. good way. Yeah. Well, but also the thing is, the Beatles were only... The Beatles were only together for like seven months, so it's like, mm-hmm. like Ringo and I, the amount of time we were in the Beatles, it's like pretty close. Mm-hmm. He's not that far ahead of me. Checks out. <laughs> Sounds, sounds about right. All right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap on that. If you guys have any more weird film uh, film school questions to bring us back to, or if you have suggestions mm-hmm. of movies that used to be musicals and are not anymore, or if you've changed.org petitions where we make Will Smith do stuff, you can send us an email mm-hmm. podcast at read-weep.com. We really appreciate everybody who writes into the show. You guys have a... Go have ahead. seen Frighteners? Frighteners? No. The Peter Jackson movie with Michael J. Fox when he's a ghost yeah, con man. I've seen it. A ghost con man? Rules. Okay, I like that. He's like a fake exorcist because he can see ghosts and ghosts are his friends. So he sends oh, them I, to haunted yeah. places and then he goes and gets rid of them as like a con. It's, it's like ghost it's fucking awesome. like turn up the premise a little more. You yeah, know? it's fucking awesome. I wish Peter Jackson went back to making movies like that. That sounds fun. I'd watch that. Um, okay, yeah. so, but will I? We, we'll find out because we'll be back next week with our final episode of season four, our final episode of 2021, and it is our very special first ever Secret Santa episode. So the four of us are going to have our names thrown into a hat, presumably, 
a red felt hat with a white bobble, and they will be drawn out and assigned to each other. And we will, without knowing who sent you the movie, we will each assign each other, or we will assign. Anyway, you get it. Secret Santa. We pick a movie for somebody. Whoever you draw, you have to pick. Look a movie up Secret for the Santa. Blood. It's that. Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I'm trying to teach you what Secret Santa is. The point is that you uh, that we're gonna pick each. We're gonna try to gift each other a movie that we think the other person would enjoy and we would enjoy talking about with them. But the goal, it's not punishment. This is movies that we think they would enjoy as gifts for our final week of uh, episode of the year. Oh, mine's gonna be a punishment. Yeah, what if you think that the person you get would like a punishment? Yeah. Well, that's Punish confusing. Punish me, Daddy. I'm looking. <laughs> Whoever I get, they're watching audition. That's right. Well, audition? you better not get me because that will not be punishment for me at all. In fact, I'll skip to the end and just watch it over and over. I don't know if we're as good of friends as the Beatles because I think the point of this is that we're supposed to get each other gifts, not punishment. I mean, audition. Uh, oh, there's four rules. of us. Hey, there's yeah. four of us. Yeah. Anyway, I don't. Adam, I don't like this poster that I'm looking at for audition. I don't think this is whoever. Don't get this for me, guys. I'm gonna return it. Um, we should just all get each other audition. <laughs> is audition? I'm just. Is, is audition? It's a magic, but all audition. Is is, yeah. is is I mean, audition should be a movie where it's just footage of each of the actors trying out for the movie for all of the lines cut together to be the <laughs> movie. Mean, it kind of is, but imagine if somebody also had to eat vomit. That's basically the movie. No, I hate this. No, yeah. why would that? Wait, this why guy, would you I don't think? Know. I don't like. How would adding that help? That sounds way worse. Hey, man, don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Kashi Mike. All right, that guy. Not, it was his. his I, whoever it is, I hope they don't. Whoever my secret saying is, I hope they don't get me audition because it sounds uh, uh, it sounds unpleasant. Um, although, was it, was it a Mr. Show sketch where it was? The monologue he read in the audition, the audition was from a play yeah. called The Audition. Called the Audition, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. The, um, that's what Mike Stephanopoulos sketch. Uh, Starbones himself wrote that. It's phenomenal. Oh, nice. Great sketch. Yeah, it's great. yeah, I remember Okay, anyway, one. Secret Santa next week. What a fun time. Um, so join us for that. And please, however you're celebrating Halloween, I hope you have a good one. And we will talk to you more next week. Thank you so much for joining me, Ezra Fox. Uh, of course. Uh, Hunter Donaldson. Thank you. Holly Hunter Donaldson. Um, Hunter, um, really quick, I need the foley of a woman in high heels walking down a marble staircase. Perfect. Nailed it. All right. And then so uh, Anthony Lopez, thanks for hanging out. Ah! <laughs> All right. We'll talk to everybody next week. Goodbye. Psh.